study this passage together, that Holy Spirit, you would enliven it for us, that it will become life. Lord, thank you that you have brought all of us here today to be in relationship with you and relationship with one another. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts, speak to our lives this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. It says in Proverbs, a very familiar passage, as iron sharpens iron so people can improve each other. We are richer, deeper, more meaningful people when we have valued relationships in our lives. Do you believe that? That the richness of your life, you're going to be sharper, you're going to be more fulfilled, you're going to be more complete when you have people in your lives, relationship with God, relationship with one another. We live, however, in an age in which relationships are becoming devalued. Relationships really have been forever altered through both technology, air conditioning, uh, various ways that make us not connect with one another very well. You're laughing at the air conditioning thing, but it's true. Uh, we don't hang outside anymore. You don't leave your windows open. You can't hear what your neighbors are saying, or praise God, they can't hear what I'm saying. And so, I mean, it's just different, the age in which we live. You know the stats on marriage and its longevity in our society. We don't keep friends very often. We don't keep spouses very often. Uh, church members will change churches at the least, least provocation Generally, if their needs aren't being met or some, something along those lines, uh, pastors stay at a church less than five years on average. We don't have long-term valued investments and relationships. But I would contend this. The church, the body of Christ, is all about relationship. We've said it over and over and over, and I'm going to keep hammering it because I believe it to be true. Christianity, in its basic nature, is relational. It's relationship with God, and it's relationship with one another. And you cannot take either one of those components out of Christianity, and it remain Christianity. Hello? I mean, it's not just you about you and Jesus. It's about you and Jesus and me and you. That's, Jesus said, the two greatest commandments, love the Lord your God, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus even prays for you before he goes to the cross. In John chapter 17, the great high priestly prayer, my prayer is not for them alone, meaning his disciples that are right there with him, the ones he's raised up. He's been praying for them because he knows he's, going to be crucified. He's going to be leaving uh, through the resurrection and the ascension. He knows his time with them is short, so he's prayed for them. But he says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. He's praying for us, all who would believe. All throughout the ages who would believe that we would be one. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. 
I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. Now, I'm not preaching this passage this morning. I just want to give you this example of how Jesus so cares about unity and relationship among others that he's praying for us thousands of years before we're even born, much less redeemed, before there was ever a fullness. He's praying that we would walk in unity with one another. I in them and you in me, so they, that they may be brought into complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Do you get the point? Jesus cares about our relationships. He cares about our relationships with God, and he cares about our relationships with one another. We're doing this series on the church. Welcome home. There's this, there are all these different images about the church. The church is a family. The church is a kingdom. The church is a living building. It's a, it's a nation. It's a human body. Paul, in Philippians, he's, he's speaking to this church, and he says, whether I am chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. We read this so fast, I don't know that it connects with us. Paul is saying, we're the church. I'm in chains. I'm defending and confirming the gospel. And in all of that, we're in this together. Because we're the body. We're the church. We're a family. I believe what he's saying in these 11 verses is that the church is a community and a community is built on relationships. I've said it like this, community with God in the center is our goal. That's our goal at fullness. Community, a community of faith with God at the center is our goal. And relationships with God in the center is the vehicle through which the goal is achieved. <clears throat> Here's what I'm trying to point out, and you'll get it hopefully, and then I've got six points that we're going to have to go uh, quickly through so that we can get to lunch at some point. The point is this. God calls out a people after his own name, the ecclesia, the church, the community. He wants a community. He's called us into community. There is no Christianity apart from the church, the, the called out ones of Jesus Christ. If community is our goal, then we have to be in relationship with one another for a community to be achieved. Otherwise, what do we got? In other words, what kind of community is there with no relationships? I mean, if you think about it long enough, you'll realize there is no community. Just because you call something a community, don't make it one. Uh, it, for it to be common unity, community, <laughs> there's got to be relationships with one another. Tim Bascom in The Comfort Trap states this. It's a book, The Comfort Trap. He says, community can rescue us from ourselves and help us to become ourselves. In the end, the size and strength of a community depends on the willingness of its members to give themselves in relationships. 
You can't stay part of a community and make all your decisions based on purely personal goals. Paul sees himself, an apostle, as part of a community. This Philippian community, the church in Philippi, this church that he loves. I mean, this is one of Paul's favorite churches that he's established. And in this letter of love that he's writing to them, he's in chains. They're free, but they're sharing together in God's love and God's purpose and God's plan. So I want to walk us through some truths about relationships based on this passage. I'm going to pull out scripture passage, passages from Philippians 1, 1 through 11, that Cheryl read to us and talk about relationship. And by the way, these are really good. So you're going to want to take notes. I, I don't have time to dwell on it. I could preach a sermon on every one. I will try not to. Um, but I'm going to walk us through them, and I hope that we will we'll connect with them. First point is this. Relationships begin with gratitude. With gratitude. Paul says this. I thank my God every time I remember you. If you're going to have meaningful relationships, then you have to value them. It's evident that Paul greatly values the people here in Philippi. Let me, let me rephrase this. Nothing sabotages relationships like ungratefulness. I mean, really. Uh, it, it, just, it just weakens the relationship. Gratitude is a power in the sense, if God indeed says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus, what is the enemy's goal for you? I mean, this is not rocket science, people. Uh, if it's God's goal for you to give thanks in all circumstances, then it's the enemy's goal for you to be ungrateful. And one of the places we are most ungrateful is in our relationships. When we're grateful for the relationships which we've experienced and those we're currently experiencing, even though they may be less than what we desire, as we're grateful, they're going to grow and multiply. Here's my contention in this. If you're constantly ungrateful in the relationships, you're sabotaging that relationship. I, and look... Which of us has a perfect friend? Unless you're friends with me. I, but No, even though people who are friends in my life, they know I can be a jerk at sometimes. I mean, I get tired. I get weak. I mean, I just get me sometimes. And me comes out. And when it does, it's not always pretty. It's never pretty, honestly. It's a sarcastic, ugly, loud, irritating kind of thing. So if you're going to be friends with me, then you're going to have to walk in grace toward me. And I have to do the same toward you. Because that's what valued friends do. We walk in grace toward one another. We walk in love toward one another. We walk in gratitude with one another. Here's my contention about this too. When you go into a room and you're ungrateful for relationships, 
you carry this air of prove it to me kind of thing in the room. Kind of like you, you undermine what you really want. What you really want is relationships, but you've been harmed in relationships. So you walk in a room with this attitude of ingratitude. And what it does is it says to people, I'm not going to leave here happy. You're going to do something to offend me. You probably won't say hi to me in the right tone. You probably won't talk uh, great about my kids. I mean, I could go on and on and on and, because we're looking for some way to be, for this relationship to be cut out. And you know what? It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. It will happen. But if you go into the room saying, I am so grateful for these relationships. No one in here is perfect. No one in here is going to meet all my needs. Only God can do that. I'm going to go in with an attitude of thankfulness. And you know what? Those relationships are going to be strengthened as you do. Albert Schweitzer said, at times our own light goes out and is rekindled by a spark from another person. Each of us has cause to think with deep gratitude of those who have lighted the flame within us. Begin to be grateful for the relationships that you've got around you. Second point, relationships deepen through intimacy. They deepen through intimacy. Paul's describing what it means to know one another. It's deep personal knowing and intimacy. Well, first of all, if you want to be in relationship with someone, you want to have an intimate, you got to get to know them. You got to get into their lives. Paul says in Philippians 1.4, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Wow, that's a lot of alls, isn't it? All my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Look, if we're honest, there, you know, a lot of times we pray for most of the people with some joy in some circumstances. We got to get into people's lives. And, and this, if you really want to deepen intimacy for someone, then begin to pray for them. Look, it's easy to be critical. Hello. I mean, it, it, it is, you know, criticism is not a spiritual gift. It doesn't, you're not special because you have the ability to see the wrong in someone. I, I, I can think, I, I'm especially gifted in this area to see the problems. I don't always have the solutions, but I can see the problems. Listen, if you want to love somebody in deep intimacy with them, begin to pray for them and with them. It's hard to be mad at someone when you're praying for them and with them. That's why marriages are so strengthened when couples pray together. So much stuff is taken off the table. So you got to get in people's lives. And, and also, you got to open up the door of your heart to them. Right? So it's not just me getting in someone's life. It's me opening up my rooms to let them in. That's what it means to be intimate. Paul says, it is right for me to feel this way about all of you. He keeps going with these alls, doesn't he? Since I have you in my heart, for whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's 
grace with me. He's let them into his heart. He's gotten into their lives. They've gotten into him. And then he goes on to talk about circumstance. I mean, really, Paul's bragging on being in jail. He loves these people so much that he's saying to them, hey, guess what? I'm in jail. Pray for me. We're sharing in this together. You know, the people who you have intimate relationships with are the ones you let see who you are. Hello? Do you understand what I'm saying? You're not trying to hide from people. I mean, honestly, I try to be kind of self-disclosing on Sunday morning and let you know that this is me, but really, you don't know me. I mean, the only way you really know me is if you were in relationship in one way or another, and you see me at my weak points, and I see you at yours, and we pray for one another, and we keep moving forward. Ann Mara Lindbergh in the book Gift from the Sea writes this, I am shedding my pride. I shall ask into my shell only those friends with whom I can be completely honest. I find I am shedding hypocrisy in human relationships. What a rest that will be. The most exhausting thing in life I've discovered is being insecure. Somebody, some, some of y'all should write that down. You wonder why you're so tired? Part of it may be because of our own insecurities that are coming out. This is why so much of social life is exhausting. One is wearing a mask. I have shed my mask. Church, it's time for us to get rid of our masks. If we're going to be intimate with one another, if we're going to really walk in relationship with one another, then we need to be in healthy, intimate relationships with one another. Verse 8, Paul says, God can testify how I for all of you. Man, would you stop with all those alls? All of you with the affection of Jesus Christ. Let me just speak to the men for one second. I know that this runs contrary. We get even uncomfortable talking about the whole issue of intimacy. It seems to be so touchy-feely kind of thing. And, you know, most of us don't even, you know, feel anything. When your wife says, how are you feeling? You know, there's no, nothing even to grasp hold of. You'll answer with something like, well, I was thinking. Why? Because it, we just need to think, pray, open up the doors of our heart and our lives to people. We may be sharing facts, but in the sharing of facts, things will be revealed. If we spend time with one another. I mean, think about this past week. Did you read the, how many of you are still involved in the Bible readings? Raise your hand. Go ahead. I'm going to shame the rest of you. Go ahead. Uh, no. This past week, do you remember this, the, the passage with David and Jonathan? The whole thing with David and Jonathan. Jonathan is eventually killed in battle uh, with Saul. And, and David writes this song to Saul and who's been, Saul's been trying to kill him for years, and he still writes a song on how the mighty have fallen, blessing Saul because he was God's anointed. And he comes to this passage on Jonathan. He says, I grieve for you, Jonathan, my brother. 
You were very dear to me. Your love for me was wonderful, more wonderful than that of women. Now, some people have taken this and turned it into a whole gay rights issue. I, I don't believe it has anything to do with that. I believe it has to do with intimacy in relationships that are healthy. It's good for us to love one another. It's right for us to love one another. The church is about relationships. Relationships, they begin with gratitude, and they're going to be deepened through intimacy. Listen, for a lot of us, I, I, I'm, I'm overwhelming with six points, but we're not going to get to point three if we don't get through points one and two. If you don't get an attitude of gratefulness in your life, and you don't open up the door of your heart to let people in, and you take the sacrificial step to get into people's lives, relationship 101. Relationship 101. Relationships are then strengthened by partnerships. Verse 5, Paul says, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. This word for partnership, by the way, is the word koinonia, for your fellowship, for your participation in the gospel. We, we're, when, when we partner together, we, we think of partnership as uh, so task-oriented in the sense of, of just you do your part and I'll do mine. Paul is saying, look, partnership is us standing shoulder to shoulder, working, working together. It's about fellowship. And when we partner together to do what God has called us to do, then relationships are strengthened. Why? Because when I fall down, you can pick me up. And when you fall down, I can pick you up. Because not everybody has a great day every day. Sometimes we need people. If we're going to keep moving forward, I mean, the Proverbs and Ecclesiastes talk about this. You know, if a guy falls down by himself, pity the fool kind of thing. I mean, he's, he's stuck. But if someone's there to help him up or keep him warm, or we partner together. Relationships are strengthened through this. Jackie Robinson was the first African-American to play in Major League Baseball. Um, it, it was tough, even in his hometown, even in Brooklyn when he started playing. And there's this story about how early on in one of the games, Jackie Robinson uh, made an error, and the crowd was going crazy. And Pee Wee Reese, who was not known as the nicest guy in baseball, walked over to his teammate and just stood next to him and then faced the crowd and put his arm around him. Didn't say anything, didn't do it, just stood by him and put his arm around him. Jackie Robinson said that act by Pee Wee Reese saved his career. Why? Because we're partners. We are the team. When people come in and we do premarital counseling with them, we say to them, from this day forward, you are the team. You're a team. You're partnering together. You're not against each other. You're not competing with one another. You guys are a team. If you want to really partner, one of the things that our E3 groups do we started our E3 groups. Those are our small groups for those who are new to the lingo. 
encounter experience expand e3 groups we have them going on all the time there's a list of the coming classes some have started some are starting they're in the foyer get one go to one be a part of one most of the time when we think of these e3 groups we think of them as a place for me to go to fellowship practice my spiritual gift get prayer but listen part of the goal of our e3 groups is that when you become a part of a group you get an opportunity to serve together to do something partnership partnership become a part of a small group gratitude intimacy partnership and as this happens relationships are going to develop a greater confidence you're going to become more confident paul says again in verse 6 being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul is incredibly optimistic about this church. Hey, Paul, God started it. He's going to bring it to completion. He's confident. What, what is he confident in? I mean, think about this for just a second. What is he confident in? He's confident in faith in them. Let me see if I can connect this a little bit. Paul is not confident in them because of them. He's not confident in them thinking these are really smart, really great people. I'm confident in them. You're, you're going to make it. Just keep pushing forward. You're going to make it. No, what he's confident is I know that God's truth is in them. They have faith in God, and I am confident that God will not fail. His confidence ultimately is in God in them. And in that, he knows that they're going to accomplish it. They may stumble and fall. They may have difficulties. They, they're not going to be perfect. But because God is in them, Paul is confident of the God in them. Their faith. And William Hendrickson, in his commentary on this very passage, says... God is not like men. Men conduct experiments, but God carries out a plan. God never does anything by halves. Isn't that great? God never does anything by halves. He brings it to completion. God will complete his work. It enables us to invest in one another with great confidence. <clears throat> I mean... Really, if you, if you loan money to people, you only loan money to people who you're confident you're going to get the money back from, right? I mean, otherwise it's just called giving money. You know, it's just called giving money. If you know they're not going to pay you back, that's fine. Give money away. But if you loan it, you loan it with a confidence it's coming back. Listen, some of us are so afraid to enter relationships because we're not confident it's going to come back on us. I'm only going to enter relationships where there's some value to me, return and perceived value. Again, if this is the way you live your life, your relationships are going to be very, very limited. And they're not going to really sparkle with what God has for them. It's not going to have the life that it's supposed to have. When you have those kind of relationships, your confidence has got to be in Christ. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians that he believes all things. 
love hopes all things. You read that this week as well. Look, I, I see Phil. Phil James is over here. I, I, I have confidence that God is going to complete his work in Phil James' life. I, 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 Phil's going to make a mistake. He may have made one or two in his life already. But if he makes a mistake, it's all right because I have confidence that God's investment in his life is going to be used to further God's kingdom for God's purposes. Satan is going to accuse at some point, probably, if Phil and I stay in a close relationship, at some point Satan is going to accuse Phil before me and me before Phil because that's his job description. But instead of listening to the voice of the enemy, what I'm going to do is say, I have confidence in the God, plan of God in Phil James' life. I have confidence that God is going to bring to completion what he's begun in his life. It's rooted in faith. It's also rooted in grace. He says, all of you share in God's grace with me. When I think of grace, I think of forgiveness. You knew I was going to get to this at some point, I'm sure. Forgiveness. Just as ingratitude kills relationships, unforgiveness is even probably, it's got to be worse. It just absolutely destroys relationships. Dale Galloway, he's got a book on the fine art of getting along with others. It should be more like just common sense for getting along. It's not that fine an art. It's more just common sense. But one of the things he says in his book is, there are no enduring relationships without forgiveness. None. Why is that? Because the person you're in relationship with is going to do something that needs forgiving. And so are you. And so are you. So you can't have a relationship. You're going to just cut off every relationship when someone does something to you. And we do that on a consistent basis. Move on to the next one. They're dead to me kind of thing. In Luke... Jesus says, try to, try to show as much compassion as your father does. Well, that's a little steep, don't you think? Never criticize or condemn, or it will come back on you. Go easy on others, then they will do the same for you. Unforgiveness. You know, legalism is, is just, uh, it's just cloaked a little different than unforgiveness and lack of grace. Legalism is saying... Listen, you've got to live up to my code. Here's my code of what people are supposed to look like. And if you don't live up to my code, then you can't be in my circle. It is a killer. We need God's grace at work in our lives. Because as we do, as we allow God's grace to work in us and through us, we can have confidence. Vince Lombardi Great coach said, confidence is contagious, and so is lack of confidence. It's like a death spiral when we start to get no confidence. Listen, I, coaches will tell you this a lot. When confidence goes, holy cow, go ask Brian what happens when part of a lot of Brian's job is making sure his players stay confident. 
I want you to be confident in this, that God who began a good work in you is going to bring it to completion. The enemy is going to lie to you. He's going to try to keep you stumbling. He's going to try and keep you from believing that God's purposes are going to be accomplished for your life. I have confidence in God's work in your life. Relationships, I don't know what point I'm on. Five, if you're taking notes still, we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. Relationships long for presence, meaning being there. Paul says in verse 8, God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. He's saying, I, I, I want to be with you. Now, listen, where is Paul when he's writing this? He's in prison. Of course he wants to be with them. And you better be with them than in prison. That's not the point. He wants to be with them because he loves them. He wants to be there. He longs for them. In chapter 4, verse 1, he says it again. Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown. It is a relationship where you never spend time with the person is called an imaginary relationship. Hello? You're not in relationship with someone if you don't spend time with them. Now, what kind of time, Pastor? Quality time or quantity time? I know this is the big argument. Quality time, quantity time. I, in my life, I've, I've found... Quality time comes through quantity time. I don't know if that makes sense. But I, I, especially with my kids, I never know when the window's going to be open. And I can tell you now, I can't make the window open. Now, me and my wife, we have different opinions about this. She believes any window can be forced open. But I don't. Asking the same question over and over again is not going to help get a different response. We were talking yesterday. She's a little put out with me. Um, hard to believe, I know. <laughs> a little put out with me because she was talking about one of our sons, and she said, you have taught him too well. I'm like, well, what do you mean? He's learned that if he'll repeat back to me in different words what I'm saying to him, that I'll shut up. I, I, and it's true. I've said to him. Look, mom's going to keep saying this over and over and over again until you acknowledge that you've heard her. This is female-male conversation 101. I'm sorry, ladies, if I think I'm being insensitive here, but you'll say it over and over again. He's just not getting it. He's just not getting it. So you'll say it again. So husbands, it'll really be helpful if you kind of help the conversation along. You know, say, oh, so what you're saying is you want me to quit being a jerk. That's what you're saying. I think I, I, think I hear you. <laughs> but relationships come through presence. I, I, I know this, especially with boys. You just got to hang out together for long enough to something happens and the window gets opened. You scheduling five minutes of quality time won't make it quality time. What does it mean, this kind of time? Douglas Steer was a professor of philosophy at Haverford College, prolific author, 
author and a world uh, traveler. He wrote extensively, and he's got this pamphlet on what it means to be present. Hello? Just also, because you're physically there doesn't mean you're... I've been a lot of places that I haven't been. <laughs> Do you understand? I mean, really, if you've been with me very long, I'm kind of ADD when it comes to conversations because my mind starts to travel off into other things that I start thinking on. And I can only focus, I can tell you the truth, I can only focus on one thing at a time. I'm very single-minded. And if my mind goes over here, it's, you may be here talking to me, but that doesn't mean I'm listening. I was in a counseling appointment one time where someone's talking to me, and they are going on and on and on and on. And then they say to me, Pastor, what do you think? And I realized I have no idea what we're even talking about anymore. So I said back, back to them, I'm not really sure. What do you think about this? <laughs> what I'm saying is, if you're going to be present, you've got to be present. He writes in this pamphlet, it means to be sure, a power to influence, to penetrate, to engage with the other. But it means equally a willingness to be vulnerable enough to be influenced by, to be penetrated by, and even to be changed by the experience. Are you with me? If you're going to be present, it's not just you doling out your great words of wisdom to this person. It means you've got to be receiving what they're speaking into your life as well. He says to be present is to be vulnerable, to be able to be hurt. Oh, wait a minute, Pastor. I organize my entire life so that I don't have to be hurt. I have to tell you, you're going to have a very limited relational scheme, as I've already tried to point out. To be willing to be spent, but it is also to be awake, alive, and engaged actively in the immediate assignment that has been laid upon us. Relationships long for presence. Being present physically, being present emotionally, being present intellectually, being present spiritually in their lives. Final point, and I mean this, point six, I won't have a conclusion that has four more points for you this morning like I do sometime. But to, relationships increase in love. Now see, I think most of you would have probably, if you think about this, would have thought I would have started with this. Right? Relationships are about love. But I believe that Paul puts all of these things, gratitude and intimacy and partnership and confidence and presence, that that these things, when engaged, will allow our relationships to increase in love. You don't, you don't just love in a vacuum, right? What I'm saying is most of us see, you know, all you need is love. All you need is love. No, you need more. You've got to have these other, I believe, components, the power of God working in you, gratitude and gratefulness. I don't think love is going to coexist with ingratitude, ultimately, or unforgiveness. Partnership, confidence, presence. Paul prays in verses 9 through 11. Here's what it sounds like in the New Living Translation. And this is an epistle of love. This whole Philippian letter is, is a letter of love. 
He says, I pray that your love for each other will overflow more and more. It, it just keeps going this way he's wording it. More and more and more and more love is what I'm asking for. And that you will keep on growing in your knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until Christ returns. Notice he doesn't start on purity and blamelessness, right? He's already talked about relationship with God, relationship with one another, love flowing out of us. That's what leads to purity and blamelessness. We, again, reverse the process. You want my love? Then be pure and blameless. I don't know if you get that, but it's really, it's really good. Thanks, Mitch. Hang in there, buddy. We're almost here. And he goes, may you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, those good things that are produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. This is a love. Paul's desire and prayer for them is for this love to increase. It's an abounding love. It's a picture of a body of water that's rising above its banks, overflowing with love. And, and this love, he says, has substance. It's not a vaporless kind of love. It, it's, it's got content to it. Listen, if I love you and you love me, then at some point you're going to get the opportunity to speak the truth in love. You know what I mean? I mean, you're going to see something in my life that I think this is a blind spot for him. I think, not, not all at once, please, um, to come to me and point out all my blind spots. I really don't have emotional energy to handle it all. But you're going to get an opportunity, and I'm going to do it with you. Why? Because my goal is not that you're going to be happy every moment of the day, but that you will be growing in godliness. You know, if you tell me something that I'm a blind spot for, I can pretty well guarantee you I'm not going to say, oh, thank you. Thanks for sharing that with me. You know, this defense mechanism, it rises up within all of us. We'll make some sort of excuse. We'll do, but if you'll step back and say, what is the, what's going on here? Then it'll have meaning. My prayer for us at Fullness Think of being a part of a group, a community, where relationships are growing in gratitude. Not looking at the other person and saying, this is where they're failing, but I am so grateful for what God is doing. They're growing in intimacy. We're partnering together for the gospel. I thank my God that we get to co-labor for the gospel in this place. I'm becoming more confident in God's work in all of our lives because he's going to bring it to completion. I, I, it brings me to a place, I just want to be with you. And it increases in love. Famous author said this, you can make more friends in two months by becoming interested in other people than you can in two years by trying to get other people interested in you. There's an old Irish blessing, and I just want to, I'm just going to speak it over you. 
as we get ready for the offering, I, I just want God to, I, I want you to marinate on all of this for a while. I, I want to let it soak into you. This is not one of those things where it's kind of like, okay, let's, I mean, this has got to get into us for us to really be strengthened in relationships. Listen to this Irish blessing. Then we're going to take up an offering. We're going to worship God through giving. It's a great time to, to give of ourselves. This old Irish blessing says this, May there always be work for your hands to do. May your purse always hold a coin or two. May the sun always shine on your window pane. May a rainbow be certain to follow each rain. May the hand of a friend always be near you. And may God fill your heart with gladness to cheer you. I pray that all of us have friends, relationships that are close by, that at any moment when we're needed, we'll be close. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Lord, I thank you for this people and this place. I thank you, God, that this is not about our own strength or our own brilliance or our own talents or our own abilities, but this is about the work of God that is present within each and every one of us. May we see around us a redeemed, glorious bride. May we speak life into one another. May we increase in love for one another as we co-labor for the gospel in this place. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that indwells each one of us, that we can sound together with the good news of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to take up an offering, which is an act of worship that says, Lord, I'm yours entirely and completely. This is not about money, I'm, a little bit, but it's not really about money. It's really about you saying, Lord, take this little bit and may it represent all of me. And may, be, it, may I and everything I am be used to further your kingdom. If you're new to fullness, there's a white connection card in your bulletin. If you wouldn't mind taking it out, filling it out, putting in the offering when it's passed in just a moment, we would greatly, greatly appreciate it. We're going to pray for you this week. If you're a regular tender at fullness, you know to put any prayer requests you have down on that white card. While you're getting your offering and your white card ready, Andre has a couple of opportunities of service for the week. All right. Well, as Pastor Bart already mentioned in the, in the sermon, our E3 groups are kicking off. And um, this past Wednesday, our kind of content-oriented groups that are meeting on Wednesday nights kicked off. Um, the other ones are kicking off over the next week or two. There are signups available in the foyer, or you can sign up online through our website. But we truly want every single person associated with fullness in at least one small group. So make that a goal. Seek the Lord. Ask the Lord where you are supposed to be plugged in, not only to receive, but it, to invest in the lives of others and develop relationships, as Pastor Bart was talking about. Also, Wednesday nights, our um, youth and our children's activities have kicked off this past week. So if you have youth or children, make sure to get them here on Wednesday nights. It's a very valuable time for them. Also, the worship team, this is part of it, is looking for new members. So if you're interested, and that includes media, that includes sound, that includes what you see up here. If you're interested in joining the team, please contact Mitch um, to audition, to learn more about it. But um, this is an awesome team. He's done a fabulous job. Thank you, team. Powerful time of worship this morning.
um, Fullness Foundations. Now, if you have been coming to Fullness or if today is your first time and you want to know more about what the church really believes, how we function, our vision, our purpose, we encourage you to sign up and come to Fullness Foundations next Sunday, um, the 18th. It'll meet right after church. And you can note on your connection card, the little white card, if you're planning to come, if you have children, there will be childcare available, but we need to know how many children to plan for. And also lunch will be served, so we need to know how much food to prepare. So if you'd like to come to Fullness Foundations next Sunday, immediately following church, sign up on your white card. And also on Sunday, September 25th, we are going to have a baptism Sunday. If you have not been baptized or interested in being baptized, please email um, Richard Fitch in the back or um, you can see him following the service, but that is a great opportunity coming up on the 25th. So we're gonna worship the Lord with the giving of an offering. Thank you. Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. You are the one now. Hearts adore. Jesus, we love you. 